Hello and welcome to the Still Space Podcast. I'm your host, Executive Coach Mary Lee Gannon, where my guests and I share fun and simple strategies to manage yourself so that you can show up the way you want in work relationships in life and not default to past behaviors that leave you disappointed. The Still Space is where you learn to take an intentional moment to challenge habitual assumptions that hold you back with enlightened truths that boost your genius. We transform drama, resentment, doubt, unmet expectations, and self-sabotage to executive presence, self-control, deep sleep, healthy choices, and more connection with people who matter while it still matters. It's time. I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, maryleegannon.com, where you can also learn more about working with me. Hello, Mindful Leader, and welcome to episode number 28 of the Still Space Podcast, Accepting Uncertainty and Finally Finding Love. This episode is special to me because it's where I share my journey of finally being able to put down a guard and find love in my life, but having to accept what uncertainty is first so that I could find the vulnerability to get there. You know, this journey of life mastery wouldn't be complete without examining the suffering uncertainty brings us. I speak a lot with my clients about certainty as a leader, and that is something we must have. We must be able to speak with certainty. Even if we're saying, I don't know, say it with certainty. This uncertainty that I'm talking about today is a little different. It's about the impermanence of life and accepting that. We try to transcend the turbulence of not knowing what the future holds, and it only makes us feel worse. Turning away from the pain of uncertainty makes it worse. Grasping for certainty makes it worse, too. Uncertainty shows up every day in many ways. How vulnerable we are willing to be to get under the surface and accept the really sticky and uncomfortable feelings we tend to turn away from is the magic that opens the door to release them. Have you ever felt that people's perception of you is not what you'd like it to be? You can tell by the way they look at you or they look away when you're speaking, by the way they don't include you in a conversation, by the way you're not a part of bigger things. We suffer when we can't accept and just be with the discomfort of reality. A resistance builds between fighting the truth and accepting it. Suffering can become excruciating when it relates to negative self-perceptions. These are the perceptions that we don't want to feel, the ones that lie under the surface. An example of this is when you notice that you're not included and immediately jump to being self-defeated and withdraw. Or when you finally are included, you overcompensate and try too hard, regretting how you behaved later. When we turn away from the resistance of reality, we think we are only pivoting from the discomfort of the situation. That isn't so. That isn't the most important realization. We deny the truth of our emotions that hide in the trappings of our conduct. Behind the defeat of exclusion is loneliness, sadness, hurt, abandonment. Underneath the regret of overcompensating, is relief and exuberance of finally being included, 
bound to the embarrassment of not being able to maintain poise and authenticity, again, not feeling good enough. When we don't honor uncomfortable emotions, the resistance continues to grow. This leads to even more discomfort as we externalize the misery in an effort to escape it. We deny the truth of our unpleasant mindset by covering it up with assumptions, self-judgment, judgment of others, doubt, cynicism, blame, frustration, the very actions that deny our true self. Oh, there's something wrong with him. There's something wrong with her. I don't know if I can do this. I'm not good enough for this. This is deadly to peace, presence, and careers. People perceive us, then, as less than we really are. And the resistance cycle continues. Only now, at a greater pace, we feel like the merry-go-round is going faster and faster, and we don't know how to get off. Imagine if you are able to step off the treadmill to nowhere. What if you could identify those emotions before they hijack your presence? What would it be like if you could observe doubt and allow it to flow through you without getting stuck there? What if you were able to really regulate your own behavior, especially under fire, have grace under fire? What if your efficacy and presence were so appreciated that it improved all of your relationships and your career trajectory? When we can be comfortable with discomfort, we can allow it to flow through us and accept ourselves with all our imperfections. Sounds great in theory, I know, but how do we do that? We do that in the still space. We do that by taking a moment to ourselves, especially when everything seems faster and harder and you feel like a train is coming down the tracks and going to hit you and you notice that emotion rising in yourself and your heart rate is going faster and you're breathing faster and now you feel like I'm out of control. That's the very time when we take a very deep breath in two, three, four, five, hold two, three, four, five, exhale two, three, four, five, calm two, three, four, five. Several rounds of doing this lowers your heart rate. This is where you see that train coming down the track and you know that you're in power and you can step off the track. The train doesn't need to hit you. You can step out of the way and you can watch that train go past you, hearing the siren of the train run a little bit lighter, hearing the clickety-clack of the wheels on the tracks getting lighter as it's moving off and off and off into the distance. Be still. Be with the feeling of uncertainty, with that impermanence. Get curious about it. What are you really afraid of here? How do you support yourself in that feeling? When you're being curious, you can get down underneath the surface of, yes, I'm afraid, I know I'm afraid, but what are you afraid of? Are you afraid of not showing up as your best? Are you afraid then of being judged? Are you afraid then of not fitting in? Just get curious about it. Go right down the rabbit hole and be comfortable and sit with that feeling because it's just energy. It's not a live train. It's not a lion. You can put your head in the lion's mouth because it's your imagination. When you turn away from it, it keeps showing up. That's not a strategy. How do you assure yourself that nothing's permanent? and that you still hold love for yourself, 
and others without any expectations in that moment. There is only a continuation, a continuation of everything. If something dies, something else goes on and lives. If a situation changes to your dislike, it is not an edict on your personal value. It is just disappointing. We don't tie our identity to something that didn't work out, to an unmet expectation. All of this is just your imagination and not concrete. We continue on in the people we touch. Whether you have to move away from people you love, whether somebody passes away, there is always a continuation. This makes transitions easier, no grasping or averting, only continuation of love. Grief is the same. When someone dies, we miss them. We long for them. We cry and we accept that while we all will die someday, love never dies. The relationship continues in a different context. Death doesn't kill love. You still have the same love for that person. They're just not with you. You remember the presence that they made upon you. Here, the skill of clear seeing, it's a way we can have less self-deception about what we think we need. Clear seeing shows us that we are impermanent by nature. Nothing stays the same. The more we fight the truth of the impermanence of life, the less happy we are and the less we accept ourselves. We are never alone when we walk in congruity with all of humankind, when we can imagine and remember that there are others in the world who are feeling and experiencing the same despair. You see, when our ego is up and we're making everything about ourselves, that's precisely when we feel trapped. But when we start to see the world through a little bit broader perspective, where we're able to step back and open that pinhole view and realize there are other people in the world other than me and they are suffering too. And we are all human beings, not human doings. We're all human beings. We all have humanity. And I have their back the same way they have mine. I'm not alone in this despair. May we all have peace. May we all be one. When we can drop whatever story we've been telling ourselves and lean into our emotions and fear, we can stay with the emotion so as to leave it as is. Let me repeat that. Leave the emotion as it is without identifying with it, without proliferating. Don't mind what will happen. You are strong. You can handle it. You are not alone. Difficult feelings are hollow, empty, black, and smelly. You don't have to carry that hurt forward. You face it and say, yes, that's just me being hurt and fearful. Sometimes I get that way sometimes. I can let that flow through me. We make a choice to get curious and live in the moment, moment to moment, not in the future or in the past. This is our way of being tender with ourselves and with others. Gratitude helps with uncertainty. We look for goodwill towards us and we give goodwill towards others. We look for that soft, tender, unguarded place in ourselves. When you look for that, you will find it. You don't need to guard up against it. That's where you want to be. That's where your true self is. And whether it is the tender place of feeling love or the vulnerability of feeling lonely, goodwill is inside you. 
you can do a meditation or a reading that awakens that self-awareness and that openness inside of you. Here is an example of one that I do often and I've led my clients with. It's called Awakening Loving Kindness. May I enjoy happiness. May someone that you care about enjoy happiness. May a person not close to you be happy. May a person you are neutral toward be happy. May a person you find difficult be happy. May all of these people be happy. May all beings in the entire world be happy. May you be free of suffering. May another person you care about be free of suffering. May a person not close to you be free of suffering. May a person you are neutral toward be free of suffering. May a person you find difficult be free of suffering. This builds the freedom of forgiveness. May all of these people be free of suffering. May all beings in the entire world be free of suffering. And when you meditate or think or reminisce of passages like this, it instills your acceptance of yourself, the impermanence of life, and gives you back your self-control of what you can control in accepting the uncertainty of life. Be kind to yourself. That's important. When we look into our hearts and begin to accept what has been confusing along with what is brilliant, what is bitter with what is sweet, it isn't just ourselves we discover. We're developing compassion for all human beings, for all beings. This opening to the world benefits us as well as others. It makes room for forgiveness and allows us to let go of hate and anger to make room for acceptance in all of the uncertainty of life. The more we try to relate to others and are met with rejection, the more quickly we realize where we may be blocked. When we mindfully apply softness and gentleness and are intentionally non-judgmental to whatever we experience in the moment, the embarrassing reflection in the mirror becomes our friend. As we practice accepting ourselves with all of our imperfections, discarding perfectionism, we begin to celebrate aspects of ourselves we found so impossible before. Oh, I don't like this about myself. I don't like the way I look. I don't like the way I act when I'm around these people. We begin to accept that and say, yeah, I do that sometimes. I do that when I'm feeling X. Old habits begin to soften. and So does the judgment of ourselves and others. We begin to truly see and hear people, not just process what they say. The world expands. Intimacy expands. When we can peel back the coverings that are over our ego, judgment, grasping for things out of our control, avoidance, and also see that beneath the coverings of others, we begin to see the beauty in ourselves. We begin to see the beauty in others. We start to see how we are all connected to each other, 
even the people we initially resent, even the people we initially dislike and avoid. We have to see beyond the ego coverings that trap us because there we find compassion with ourselves and with others. I had to learn this lesson over and over again until I finally realized it myself. I was so afraid of the future landing me back to where I had been in the past, alone, feeling like I couldn't support my family, that everything I did and said was through the lens of, I'm never going back to poverty. I'm never going back to fear that I wasn't capable of supporting my family. And what I didn't realize with that covering at the time was that this lens through which I saw my life, my perception of everything, was jaded. It was a defensive posture for everything. Emotions stand in line. If you aren't going to feel pain, you're not going to feel joy. If you're not going to feel vulnerable, you're not going to feel gentle. I had told myself that I would survive no matter what. No matter what was the problem. That was the tripwire to a detached life. I let nothing get to me, not happiness, love, or kindness. Feelings, they aren't mutually exclusive, and all of them were shutting down on me. The process of finding love was scary for me. The more I risked opening my heart, the scarier it felt, and the more detached I became. Life is not binary. Vulnerability is not scary or wonderful. It is scary and wonderful. I found romantic love when I was able to accept that I might get hurt. I might make another mistake. I might end up unhappy again. And I might find the love of my life. I might have a really good life. I might be held by someone who loves me and wants to protect me from ever having to experience what I went through in my past. Any rejection would be uncomfortable, but not an edict on whether I am lovable, when my worth was not tied to external validation, internal validation grew. If I got rejected, it would make me sad, not destroy me. Sad is okay. We can self-regulate sad so that we don't get stuck there. Self-destruction is not okay. I started to rediscover myself as I rediscovered love. There is a lot of talk about self-love. I think we learn to love from having been loved, having allowed ourselves to feel love because we are worthy of it. That's how we learn love as a child. In theory, we want to be able to love ourselves. I think we need to have the act of love modeled to us to emulate it. Somewhere in every person's life, they have experienced an act of love. We need to remember those. Be still in that still space to remember how pleasing it felt, how rewarding it was. It could have been love from a pet, from a friend, a relative, or a neighbor. I've always loved dogs because their love is unconditional. They are always happy to see me. They live totally in the moment with no regrets. I still remember every pet we ever had growing up and every pet I have as an adult. When I first started dating again, there were men who loved me. I didn't know how to love them back. There are books that will say that I couldn't love them because I didn't love myself. It was true that I didn't love myself fully. I didn't think I deserved love. The truth is that while some of them were kind, they weren't my forever love. 
There is a voice in the back of your head that reminds you when something is right for you. Trust that voice. You know, your heart is very emotional and your brain is very intelligent, but when you trust your gut, that's the truth. I didn't attract love that was right for me because I didn't think I deserved it. I attracted the wrong type of man for me. Those relationships were just okay. I was strong and attracted men who wanted me to be the lead in the relationship. I made all the decisions at work and at home. I didn't want to lead where we ate dinner, what we did all the time, all the relationship discussions. I didn't want to lead anything anymore. I wanted to just be in the relationship. I also wanted a man with depth of consciousness who wanted intimacy, who had intimacy to him. I attracted what I wanted when I defined what I wanted and I knew who I was and I knew I deserved it. I knew what I wanted and I held out as I worked on myself. I was single for 19 years, prioritizing my children and fitting in dating to fill the romantic void. I read so many self-help books that my children used to joke that I was Samantha on Sex in the City. I learned a lot over that time. Today, as I look back, having done a lot of self-development, I don't regret not having fallen in love with those men. Being in a long-term relationship with them wouldn't have worked out. We weren't aligned in values. We weren't aligned in intimacy and consciousness. Once I softened my heart, I was able to attract a loving relationship from someone as complicated and intelligent and funny and interesting and diverse and rooted in values as I am. I knew it the night we met. He did too. Relationships aren't a panacea. We get out of them what we put into them. I remember vividly the night we met, and I knew as soon as I met him that he was the one. And I wrote a letter to him a year later that I'm going to share with you. And here's what it said. Dear Arnie, One year ago today at this time I was sitting in my office thinking about how I would go home early to shower and get ready for my sort of blind date with you. The photo of your online profile hardly did you justice, but your savoir-faire won me over for a meeting, even though I had never met anyone I hadn't first talked to, or admittedly, in my case, interviewed, on the phone. I like a man that knows what he wants and goes after it without hesitation. I remembered the dress, the shoes, the purse, the jewelry I wore. I changed them all a couple of times. I wasn't quite sure how it would go, so I was pretending not to care too much. All the while, I was still changing my outfits. I parked my car on a side street and sauntered into the restaurant, thinking I would easily find you. A momentary panic set in when inside the door I didn't see you. Then I remember spotting that chiseled profile sitting at the bar and thinking, is that him? If so, he is way better looking than his photo. So I tapped you on the shoulder and asked, Arnie? And you turned to me with a composed yet pleased look and immediately wanted to get a table. I love that. A get right to it kind of guy. Other men would want to get you know you over drinks and cocktails in a less formal atmosphere at the bar, not you. You were interested and invested in an intimate evening from the start. Fabulous. 
I sat there glancing down at the menu without a clue as to what it said because I was so taken by how cute you were and the stature in which you carry yourself. Nonetheless, I pretended to read the menu. It must have taken us close to an hour to order with the waitress having asked us several times if we were ready. I chuckled to myself at the and don't bother us again way you said no. Two Rieslings later, I was trying to figure out how broad your shoulders were since I was certain they spanned the width of the table in that yellow and white Oxford shirt with the cuffs rolled up. When you went to the restroom, I tried not to let you catch me staring at the full body shot of you in those pants, and I loved your shoes. Great taste in everything. Very classic. I checked my mirror as you were away from the table and thought, Is this real? Is this really someone I met on Match.com that is engaging, is into me, and that I actually like? That night, I had been in turmoil about a situation from work. And from the moment I described it to you, you were objectively in my corner. That won me over more than anything. You gave me sound advice and in a way addressed the situation as if it was personal to you. It showed me you had heart, didn't need to talk about yourself, and could care. You could be emotional yet strong about what you care about. You had no hesitation or issue about showing already that you cared to help me. Such a turn-on! You shared the interesting nature of your cases and what they mean to you. You shared your German background and how that influences your decisions. You shared your views about online dating and how much you enjoy your children. Even though we had just met, I knew that night that I wanted to be someone you cared about. Four hours later, when they threw us out of the restaurant because even the cleaning crew was ready to go home, without hesitation, you walked me to my car. I tried not to swing my little box purse too far as my enthusiasm over getting to know you nearly propelled it to whirl over my head, almost like a helicopter propeller. I thanked you again for a lovely evening and gave you a brief hug and a kiss on the cheek as if to suggest this night was special for me. I opened the car door and sat down as you waited for me to get in with your arm resting against my open door. I fiddled in my purse to find my keys and when I turned back at you, I caught you staring at my legs. You quickly glanced back at my face and I smiled inside. I loved catching you doing that. I thanked you again and I drove away as you walked back toward the restaurant to get your car. I wasn't half a block down the street when I drew my fist down in front of my chest and said a very loud, Yes! I knew I wanted to see you again, but would wait to see if you felt the same. The evening ended with childlike glee when I returned home and received a text message from you asking me to let you know if I got home safely. At that point, I knew I would see you again. And years later, I am the happiest woman in the world because I am going to be seeing you again for the rest of my life because I am now your wife. I am honored and blessed and I will never forget that night when I met the man of my dreams, Mary Lee. It took a lot of work on myself to find the vulnerability to allow for something pure and innocent and childlike to happen in a relationship. And I think that's where all relationships between people who love each other start, with innocence, with a longing for each other. Arnie and I, we challenge each other. We both have ego coverings that get in the way. 
We always come out the better. We don't always agree on issues, but we almost always agree on our values. We undeniably deeply love each other, and there isn't anyone we'd rather spend time with than each other. He's my forever love. Arnie and I use the code word still space to remind each other when we notice the other might be overthinking, overreaching, getting upset, withdrawing. It's really helpful to have an accountability partner that understands the conscious journey that you're on. There are no guarantees in life. Accepting that is the freedom of accepting uncertainty. It is accepting that the magic of life is in the moment. And when we regret the past or fear the future, it is just our cry for perfectionism and perfectionism becomes the excuse for not accepting ourselves as worthy of a good life. You will set intentions for loving kindness for yourself and others, but you'll find at times it's really difficult and inconvenient. You will repeatedly discover the inconvenience of your own uptightness. This does not have to be an obstacle. It can be a texture in the tapestry of life. You'll be flying in the reward of loving kindness and suddenly something brings you back to a behavior you regret and makes you uncomfortable. That's okay. This is a trigger. This is just a call to figure it out. You have the tools. You start again with even more wisdom because you accept yourself as imperfect. You take a deep breath in the still space, accept yourself with all your imperfections, know that you have power, you accept the journey of impermanence, you accept yourself as awesome with all your imperfections. This world is made for you and is made better because you are in it. I have something really special that I can't wait to share with you. Most of you know that I work by day as the CEO of a $31 million organization, and I coach a handful of clients in the evening. Now I have taken the tenets of mindful leadership and put that into a training program so that you can fast track your career leadership while also balancing that with a good night's sleep healthy eating habits, and close relationships. I call this program Mindful Leader Satisfied Life. Not only will you have the training, you also get one-on-one coaching with me, not a group, one-on-one coaching with me so that we can unravel your personal assumptions that are holding you back. You will no longer be unnoticed, undervalued, and inadequate, feel judged, and that others think that there's something wrong with you and you start thinking there's something wrong with you too because you're getting passed over for promotions, new roles, no longer doing all the things you hear you should be doing. Sigh of relief, right? With only defeat and the fear that failure is in your DNA forever dogging you in the back of your mind. You'll no longer be disconnected from colleagues, friends, and family, or following the shoulds that make you feel you're still behind the curve and might even lose everything altogether. No longer frustration about habits that show up in terms of snacking, disjointed relationships, vices, poor sleep. No longer making excuses while not actually getting any closer to high performance. So if you're interested in this program, all you have to do is go to my website, maryleegannon.com. Click on the link on the top that says Coach with Mary Lee. It explains all about the program. Fill out a few questions on the questionnaire so that I know a little bit more about you and I'll reach right out to you and we'll set up a time to talk and we'll get you started. 
No longer will you have to wake up and say, I missed an opportunity. I wish I had. Please remember that I can only take a few clients at a time and I already have a full book right now. So I'd like to make sure that you're on the list. Head over to MaryLeeGannon.com. Click on Coaching with Mary Lee. Let's get started. I'm glad you were with me today and I invite you to subscribe to this podcast and get any of my free publications at my website, MaryLeeGannon.com where you can also learn more about working with me.